Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to another episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and today we're going to answer the question, what supplements can help you on the trauma healing journey? To answer this question, I'm going to share some of the different supplements that I recommend. I recommend that people start here because otherwise it can get pretty complicated. And I'm going to share with you how they can help you on the trauma healing journey. Now, there are many more supplements than what I am going to just share in this episode, because as you will see, it is not as simple as, oh, take this one thing and you'll be fine. Everything will be cured. That is not the model for trauma. The effects of trauma on the body are many and will require an integrative, personalized approach. So in this episode, we are just going to start with exploring what are some supplements that can help you on the trauma healing journey. So what I will cover and what you will learn in this episode is how does one get brain inflammation? Three ways to know if you have it. Two supplements you can start with today for brain inflammation. What supplement is essential for those with chronic stress? The effects on vitamin C and helping to address the different effects of trauma on the body. And then zinc and its relationship with copper excess and even hormones and various physical and mood symptoms. I will end with a brief mention of nitric oxide, which I'm very excited about. And so I want to share with you some of the information on that and its improved uh, support of our cellular health. For each of these, I'm going to share cases with you of real people who would be perfect for these supplements. These are clients that I have strongly recommended specific supplements and see if you recognize yourself or maybe if you recognize your clients in any of these cases that I will be presenting so you can have your clear path forward and knowing what supplements you can get started with today. Let's start off the conversation with brain inflammation and let me introduce Tori to you, our first client case. And if you are interested in hearing her full story, you can hear that over on the podcast episode with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Here is Tori. My name is Tori. I live in the Atlanta, Georgia area and I was um, an accountant for many years um, and then um, have had a lot of health challenges for about 10 years now. Would you mind sharing with the group a little bit about your journey and how how much this brain inflammation piece was huge for you? Um, So I've had fatigue for 35 years now and then severe brain fog for 10 years now. And I really wasn't recognizing that part of that was going into freeze until I took the 21 day course. Um, But just prior to that, I had taken the brain inflammation course and started on those supplements. Um, So at the start of these courses, I was stuck in bed the majority of the day, and it was very hard for me to be on a laptop at all. I was also not even watching much television or like it just, I felt like visual things and a lot of noise was just like too stimulating for me. I I would say the, the, First, I had significant um, 
like first started noticing my symptoms was more like 35 years ago, but for a long time, it was very manageable. And I, you know, had a, a career, I did a marathon, things like that. So I had managed to kind of work around the health challenges that I was having. And then about 10 years ago, um, I started significantly declining where I could not keep up like my whole level of activity. And for me, the, the whole time I would say it did feel like brain inflammation was involved, but especially over that last 10 year period, um, I had a couple of head injuries that I think factored into that, but I really benefited from taking the supplements that Dr. Amy recommended for brain inflammation. So I've been taking them daily since probably February and then also um, when I was trying to recover from my concussion, I, I feel it was really critical to, to do that because I'd had a prior concussion that I don't think I ever really recovered from. At least in my case, having the fatigue and brain fog, I do feel that I needed to address that um, brain inflammation. And I also rarely tolerated many supplements before. So I was super surprised that I was able to take all of these things that um, were, were recommended. And I think by... Being someone who has chronic illness and who had the, the head injuries, um, I, I do feel that this aspect of the brain inflammation like had to be addressed in my case to make any kind of progress around trauma. A brief overview of brain inflammation and why your physician is likely not ever going to talk to you about this. Brain inflammation happens because there are cells that surround your nerve cells that are guarding it, protecting it, nourishing it. And when they see a threat, when they have an insult or an injury, they release this cascade of inflammation. Now, what happens is that with an initial insult, they become primed. And when they become primed, they will release that cascade of inflammation in response to any triggers in the future. An initial insult for priming these microglia can include everything from a concussion so sports injuries, football, soccer, biking, whatever the sports injury is, any physical damage injury to the brain can prime those microglia that will then release this cascade of inflammation in response to future triggers. What are the life experiences that will cause this priming of the microglia? Head concussions, injuries, sports injuries, things like infections, even things like periods of time under severe emotional stress, even in utero factors, whether it be infections or stress can cause this priming of the microglia that then in response to future triggers, again, releases this cascade of inflammation. What happens is that when this inflammation is started, your nerve cells are then surrounded in this bath of inflammation and oxidative stress. This is a very clear signal to your nerve cells that there is danger. And so it will put your nervous system into a state of survival rather than one of security and safety. How will you know if you have brain inflammation? Well, you can think of your brain as this processing center. It takes in all this information from your external environment and also from your internal environment, and then it makes decisions. It takes up a lot of energy making decisions. So one thing is clear that when you have brain inflammation, it makes it harder for it to make those decisions. You may notice that your thoughts are just slower. Your reactions are delayed. You may be less coordinated. You may uh, drop things. You may forget things. You may stare at your computer trying to focus, trying to think, and it just won't come. 
When I have a flare up of my brain inflammation, I find myself searching for words. I know what I want to say, but I just can't find the actual word that I'm trying to say. Or I find that when I'm trying to make jokes, like they just won't come out right, or they'll be uh, a little too late to actually be funny because the brain is just taking that much more time since it is surrounded in this inflammation bath. So number two is why this brain inflammation then is one of the biological factors that predisposes you to trauma. This is something that is key that I teach in my biology of trauma master classes because this is essential to understanding why you might be continuing to experience trauma or even be getting stuck in these trauma patterns. And so with brain inflammation, because there is this inflammation, it puts your nerve cells in this state of danger, in this survival state. We have two survival states in our nervous system, either the sympathetic or the freeze response. And what happens is that with this constant stress, oxidative stress, inflammation, even though it's biology stress, it's still a stress. A stress is a stress is a stress for the nerve cells. And so it will be in one of the survival states and it brings that closer to that line of overwhelm. And so it doesn't take much more in life to just tip it over the edge and there you go into overwhelm, maybe even a chronic functional freeze state and you experience something as a trauma because your biology is already that close to that line of overwhelm, which is where trauma resides. Number three, if you are in trauma therapy, if you have experienced life, right? We have all experienced some degree of trauma and we all have these trauma patterns in our biology to some degree. And so if you are in the process of rewiring this trauma, doing this emotional work, you need to understand that brain inflammation is going to either get you stuck or prevent you from moving through that therapy in a reasonable amount of time. Because if your nerve cells are stuck in survival mode, it does not matter how much therapy you do, you're going to stay in that survival mode until that inflammation goes down and away. So if you are someone who recognizes that you have these functional freeze states, then you need to be addressing brain inflammation because in the freeze state, there is brain inflammation. So when you go into the freeze state, especially a chronic functional freeze state, there is brain inflammation that is a part of that symptom. The chronic functional free state has a lot of stuff that happens in the body as it shuts down and kind of goes into this low energy state. Inflammation is one of those things that happens. And we know that any inflammation in the gut goes to the brain. And many of the symptoms of the chronic functional free state are the same symptoms of brain inflammation, the brain fog, the fatigue, the decision fatigue, the sensitivity to lights or sounds or just wanting to isolate and be alone from people. And so with the functional free state, there often is brain inflammation associated with that and you need to address the brain inflammation. You need to tackle that, get that fire out before you're going to be able to make any progress in trauma therapy. Let's start looking at N-acetylcysteine for tackling brain inflammation. Now, N-acetylcysteine is actually also an anti-aging and longevity tool. And one of the reasons is because it is such a powerful antioxidant. And it does this by feeding into the glutathione, 
which glutathione is your liver's main enzyme for detoxification. Many people, including myself, and you may as well, if you have your 23andMe data, know that you may not make glutathione as well as other people. And so this is an area of compromise for your biology. And if you are one of those people who do not make glutathione as well, your detoxification system does not work as well, you will have a higher amount of oxidative stress, oxidative damage, and thus inflammation. And so if you have any factors that have been an insult to your microglia, so you already have that priming of your microglia for inflammation, adding that effect of your glutathione detoxification system not working well enough is going to be just adding fuel to the fire of inflammation. So how do we address that? N-acetylcysteine is one of the best ways to handle that. Now, you can also take liposomal glutathione, but N-acetylcysteine is a really easy way to combat that inflammation and the glutathione system. It is very effective. We know this from studies. We've actually done brain imaging studies that show that N-acetylcysteine decreases inflammation in the brain. And that's why I like to take it. I even take it more than oral glutathione. I will do IV glutathione, but in terms of oral supplements, I'm taking N-acetylcysteine to manage brain inflammation. While N-acetylcysteine is powerful, it is not just N-acetylcysteine that you should take for brain inflammation. And there is a whole brain inflammation protocol. If you recognize yourself and want the whole thing, I will have the link for that full protocol in the show notes. If you are going to take one other thing for brain inflammation, it would be magnesium. Not just any magnesium though. Let me explain more. So magnesium calm is the specific form of magnesium, magnesium treonate that is specific for the nervous system. And it will come and it will support those activated microglia, which are the cells around our neurons that cause this inflammation. And it will just calm it down. It's okay. Everything's okay. So this has been so essential that I take this and I even take a double dose. So I take one of these every day just to keep my microglia and my brain inflammation at bay. But if I notice that I'm back in those symptoms of brain inflammation, I'm taking two a day so that I can get things back, calm that fire of inflammation down and get back to a place of calm, good memory and clear mind. So if you're finding yourself looking for words and struggling to get through your day in a calm way, then magnesium trinate is likely going to help you and be a support that you can give your brain in order to help brain inflammation. Is there a different form of magnesium that we should be taking to help our body? If magnesium trinate is to help brain inflammation, what about just magnesium in general? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I want to share with you a few stories of people who when I saw their life story, I strongly recommended magnesium for them, specifically chelated magnesium, and I'll teach a little bit on that. But these are the perfect client cases that I strongly recommend magnesium for them. So if you recognize yourself in their stories, we should be talking about magnesium in general, and I will give you the specific magnesium that is helpful. When we're talking about stress, it's 
I think our culture is trying to minimize it, trying to contain it. There's this idea of, oh, I feel stressed or something wrong with me. For 52 years, I felt that being a stress bag, I called myself a stress bag, right? And and I was always stressed trying to minimize it because I knew how dangerous it was. Everything that's been happening um, in my life correlates with what's going on. Then again, I feel like I have all the problems. So anything you could teach would <laughs> would line up. But um, I um, have been dealing with PTSD the last five years. And when was it? Like 2019, I went to a therapist, like one-on-one, I was like, I, I'm having (laughs) so much trouble and like triggers and just like this hyperactive startle response. I'm a physician. So overhead pages, the beeper going, the beepers anymore. What am I talking about? The phone rings, whatever. I'm like cursing at the phone because it rang, but it scared me so badly. And we went to somebody, you know, some professional in Denver paid a couple thousand dollars or more for the weekend, you know, and they supposedly, they claim they could help with this. It made me worse. Like the next day, the lady's like, I I think I maybe like triggered you a lot yesterday. Like, how are you doing? And to me, I didn't know any better because everything was triggering me. So I'm just like, well, this is my normal life. Um, So anyway, this is the first, I mean, in five years, the first resource and understanding I've had of how to deal with a startle response and be able to start like not adding more stress every, every, every time the microwave beeps or whatever. I'm going to just recommend magnesium. If you're dealing with stored trauma and this going back and forth between stress and overwhelm, you need magnesium. So that's an easy place for people to start. And it also can often help bring a sense of uh, relief fast. Magnesium can really help with sleep. It's what it's most known for, at least in the people that I've shared that with. That's where they see the most difference at first is with their sleep. They sleep better. They, they're getting more restful sleep. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all of a sudden waking up feeling fully rested but it's just better than what it has been. It can help with anxiety. Chronic stress and the effects of trauma can manifest in different ways for each person. And yet there are some principles that you need to know. And these principles will inform us really why magnesium is one of my first go-to supplements for chronic stress and trauma. Magnesium is a major nutrient that gets used up and depleted with stress and even more so with the body going into very high stress states like triggers, PTSD symptoms, panic attacks. Magnesium is involved in over 300 biochemical reactions in the body, and it is critical for supporting the nervous system. The body cannot do much, and it cannot do much well without sufficient magnesium. And yet because it gets depleted, the cells go into a survival state. Magnesium is involved in brain neurotransmitters, including serotonin, which is our happy brain chemical. Magnesium is a buffer for the stress response. And since chronic stress depletes magnesium, it creates a vicious cycle of stress causing magnesium deficiency and magnesium deficiency causing us more stress. With magnesium deficiency, a cell is stuck in survival state. 
This is not just change your thoughts, change your mindset kind of state now. This is a cellular level. The nervous system is stuck in survival. Deficiency is a survival state. Magnesium can help resource the cells to allow the shifts and the changes to the nervous system after chronic stress and trauma. And so magnesium is one of those supplements that if you are in any form of trauma work and trauma therapy, you want to be taking magnesium to just resource your cells and help them come out of a survival state. Magnesium also helps to clear out oxidative stress and free oxygen radicals that accumulate during stress and accumulate even more when the body is in a trauma response and a chronic functional freeze. Now, which form of magnesium is best? It is the chelated magnesium. This is the one that is best absorbed and you need magnesium to reach your cells. Something like magnesium oxide is good for if you struggle with constipation because it stays in the gut. Not as much is absorbed. So you really want to be using a chelated magnesium that will actually reach your cells. There are different ways to take magnesium. I like to take magnesium in a powder form as much as possible just to ah, decrease the number of capsules that my stomach is having to digest. And so you can take a magnesium powder, you can take magnesium capsules, however you can get the magnesium in, whatever your body is able to tolerate, it would be good to just start there. If you are experiencing chronic stress and if you're helping your body recover from trauma, magnesium can be an important nutrient to support your healing journey. How much magnesium to take? I actually take a lot of magnesium daily. And I was attending a nutrition lecture at a recent major addiction and trauma conference. I won't say the name because I want to respect the presenter. And she was talking about magnesium. And in her presentation, she considered even 400 milligrams of magnesium a day, a very high dose and was giving caution to not go any higher. I disagree. I have been taking way more than 400 milligrams every day of magnesium, and it does my body well. Now, every person's needs are different, but for the people that I see who are coming out of chronic stress and overwhelm, their body is so depleted, and they are needing so much more magnesium because they are still in some degree of stress that they could use 400 milligrams three times a day. And magnesium is something that I really recommend for sleep as well. I take magnesium at midday or early afternoon because that is actually when magnesium is normally at its highest in our blood. So I'm following just the rhythm of our body. And magnesium is actually one of the most common nutrient deficiencies. And it's because it gets used up when we are stressed and definitely when our body is in the trauma response. And so this is always one of the first things that I'm starting people on when they're coming in after having been stressed for as long as they can remember. And what I do is I actually use sparkling water. So I'm gonna do about eight ounces of sparkling water. And then I add the magnesium power powder. And so for me, this is a great way to get it in is just by liquid. So I mix it up and I put it into my drink. I then stir it with a straw and I enjoy feeling calm and resourced and ready to go on for the rest of my day. Now let me share a few more client cases for whom I strongly recommend magnesium. We will then move on to the next supplement, but first see if you recognize yourself in their stories to know if you might benefit from magnesium. 
In this first share from Tamika, you are going to hear her mention learned helplessness. This is something that I talk about a lot in my biology of trauma module that goes into the stress response. And learned helplessness is a pattern of overwhelm that we would have learned as small children, which means that is how early our stress and trauma started. Our body has been in chronic stress if we notice that we have a pattern of learned helplessness. We will then hear from Zimmer and all she was doing for healing, yet would feel completely exhausted by the end of the day. Done. Nothing left. And these are client cases that I strongly recommend magnesium. Here's Tamika. Learning about learned helplessness was really kind of clarifying for me. So um, so that was really sort of helpful to learn about that. Um, and just learning that we can complete the stress response, um, it's very empowering. I really appreciated that. And I think for me personally, seeing just just seeing how much stress that I've been through in my life and how much I used to like push and force and override my body, that even with all the trauma healing I've done, like sort of somatic sort of, you know, parts in a child trauma healing stuff for the last seven years and not supporting my body physically with any supplementation, like I can see how that was too much for my body and I didn't support my body. So I'm like, no wonder I still feel depleted, you know, and really tired. So I'm like, okay, there's all these ways. So I guess I feel excited that I like I know now I can support my body. I've been a pleaser all my life. And I really, you know, people would say, oh, you're angry. And I'm like, no, I'm not angry. I'm sad. I'm whatever, never really acknowledging my body at all and having a lot of resentment for my body, lot of resentment. And in a lot of the journey work that I've been doing, it's always been separated, you know, working on the body or working on the spiritual side or working on the psychological side or doing meditation in the morning or Reiki in the morning or Qigong, but then not carrying it out throughout the day. So by the time I got home, completely exhausted, completely done, right, with nothing left. And then there's resentment to the fact that that happened. We are going to switch gears and move to a discussion on vitamin C. Trauma always affects every system, organ, and tissue in the body. The vagus nerve is what communicates the shutdown dorsal vagal trauma response to the body, and its message is strongest to everything below the diaphragm, so all of our digestive system. So we will start the conversation there, and yet... As you will see, vitamin C will not just be good for the digestive system, but for some of the other chronic effects of trauma on the body and other systems and organs. Now, the degree to which you will notice these effects depends on a lot of things. It depends on the amount of stored trauma you currently have. And by stored trauma, I mean unresolved trauma, trauma responses that you did not complete, that you did not resolve. And it also depends on the degree to which you are paying attention to your body because we can have a lot of things happening in our body and we're just not noticing. We're not in our body. We're just living in our head. We're just surviving. And so we're not actually paying attention to these effects that are happening on our body. So in this discussion, let's talk about vitamin C and in it, I'm hoping that you will start to notice, oh, if you've been having some of these symptoms as well, and vitamin C might be a good place for you to start. 
trauma gets stored in the nervous system and it's going to affect especially the whole digestive system because that's where it's all under the control of the various nerves whether that's the sympathetic fight or flight that whole plexus is in the pelvis or the parasympathetic which is going to be your rest and digest which is where you want to be for a healthy functioning digestive tract so this can go very wrong if you have any form of trauma or chronic stress where your where like a freeze response gets wired into your nervous system so what can happen is a variety of things but no matter what happens like it's it's uncomfortable it's inconvenient and it kind of it can exhaust you having to deal with whatever gi issues you have whether that's more um, IBS type of stuff, irritable bowel syndrome, or more on, well, I guess with IBS, it can be constipation uh, dominant or diarrhea um, predominant. But either way, what happens is a lot of the digestive tract just gets shut down, especially when we have any kind of trigger, um, re-traumatization, any stress in our life that feels overwhelming or we get that see I just take a deep breath um, this is me thinking about you know all the overwhelming stuff uh, that's happened recently in in my life that's kind of put me in this place where I feel like my digestive tract is sh shuts down and when my digestive tract shuts down it um, not only gets painful um, but it feels like there's a lot of inflammation and even a lot of bloating can happen. So I wanted to share with you something that I've been using now for quite some time um, to directly kind of counter the, the long-term effects of trauma on my body while I'm doing the other stuff to not have any more trauma and stress compounded on my system. So I wanted to talk to you about vitamin C today because that is going to not only help the digestive tract that's recovering from trauma, but also just the, the body's health in general. We know from the ACEs study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study, that people who have histories of trauma in their childhood, and this is gonna go for attachment trauma as well, that they do have a higher prevalence incidence of diseases, chronic diseases in adulthood, including autoimmune diseases. So autoimmune diseases are when your immune system gets out of control. It starts attacking things that it should not be attacking or it is ineffective in clearing infections and kind of signaling when there is a real problem. Vitamin C is going to help with all of that. Vitamin C is going to reduce overall inflammation in your body by stimulating all the reactions that help clear toxins that help um, boost the immune system. I mean, vitamin C is, is obviously known to help you when you get cold or upper respiratory infection. It's always, you know, take vitamin C. But the amount of vitamin C is what may surprise you. So at this point, depending on my day, actually, um, not, not only my week, but depending on my day, I can take um, anywhere usually from 6,000 milligrams to 15,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. Now that can seem a lot to you if you're not used to hearing these numbers with vitamin C. Usually for common stuff, 
500 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams seems like a lot. But you can't overdose on vitamin C. And given the amount of inflammation that can happen in the body, and I have known for a few years that some of my autoimmune markers are off, and so uh, that kind of is extra motivation for me to just be as, as strongly anti-inflammatory as I can. And so I'm going to take vitamin C because I know that once my body reaches its limit and how much it can take in, it's just going to eliminate the rest. And so you may not have heard this as well, but there is such a thing called the vitamin C flush. And this is for people who tend to maybe be more on the constipated side of things, that if you take a lot of vitamin C, it will kind of be a laxative for you. And so I've seen people who have not been taking large amounts of vitamin C and I talk to them about vitamin C and they go out and they take 5,000 milligrams the next day. And then within 30 minutes, you know, they're needing to go use the restroom, which is fine if that's, if that's also what you need to use it for. But it may also be one of those things where you have to build a tolerance of it and build up to levels that you can take. And I would recommend you take as much as you possibly can because you can't go wrong with it. You're going to reduce the inflammation in your gut. You're going to thus help your gut issues recovering from trauma or chronic stress. And you're going to reduce your inflammation levels in your, in your body. So I would probably recommend starting anywhere between 3,000 and 5,000 milligrams every day. You can't go wrong with that. And then just build it up as high as you can. And I tend to not like to take a lot of pills, or I should say since, since I take a lot of pills, supplements, whatever I feel that I need, I do get the vitamin C that comes in the 1,000 milligram pills so that I can just minimize how much I have to take to get the quantity that I want. And then I'm taking the ester C form. I was taking the powder form before, but that was really hard on my stomach. And it, it, it felt almost like it was burning a little bit when I would take um, spoonfuls of the powder form of vitamin C. And so I stopped doing that. And since I've switched to the pills, my stomach tolerates it much better. My gut health is happier, is better. And it also is a little bit of a stimulant. It helps wake me up, gives me a little bit more energy throughout the day. So give vitamin C a try and see what it does for you. I will be curious to hear what vitamin C does for you. It's so simple. It's available to all. We can think it's not important because it's so easy to get. In the show notes for this episode, there is a place for you to drop your comments. So when you try vitamin C or any of these other supplements, drop me a comment and let me know. I really do want to know. Now we're going to talk about zinc for many reasons. Zinc is a great supplement to take for mental health, chronic stress, and trauma. And a specific example of when you would need to take zinc is in regards to the copper to zinc ratio. We need to maintain a certain copper to zinc ratio for our nervous system to not be super sensitive and reactive. Copper excess is actually something that we look at in connection with zinc. And so it's the copper to zinc ratio rather than the actual just number of copper in your blood. Now, copper is associated with 17% of people who are diagnosed with depression. This is in comparison to the most common biochemical imbalance found in depression, which is the undermethylation at 38%. 
So with the copper coming in at 17% of those diagnosed with depression, let's understand this a bit because if you have high copper, you will get stuck in survival mode. Your nerve cells will be stuck in that cell danger response the survival response, and you will not be able to make much progress with changing your mood, changing your thoughts, changing those trauma patterns. So with the copper, what happens is that it actually increases levels of norepinephrine or adrenaline in your body and decreases dopamine, resulting in depression and many times anxiety, agitation, and what can be seen as emotional outbursts. So let me run through some of the traits, some of the symptoms of those with high copper excess, lack of energy. And this is one thing that you will notice as I run through these traits, not all of them are mood related. Many of them are physical symptoms that show how the copper is affecting our tissues and what's happening on that cellular level. So lack of energy is a, is a common symptom of high copper. Disruptions in sleep, high anxiety, Reduced interest in previously enjoyed activities can even have some suicidal ideation. Most commonly, this will be the cause of postpartum depression, or maybe we should better refer to it as postpartum anxiety. 95% of those have this high copper excess. There is a relationship between the copper and the estrogen, and so this would be why. And there is this increased estrogen during pregnancy with the decrease afterwards resulting in that high copper and those mood symptoms. The copper is what can also cause things like ringing in the ears, sensitivity to cheap metals or clothes tags, lighter skin, inability to tan. And some of the other physical symptoms can be endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, lack of uh, energy. We talked about the fibromyalgia, the chronic fatigue syndrome. These are all part of this syndrome of having high copper excess. I'm going to share with you the last supplement that I'll be discussing in this episode. And I've gotten excited about this one recently because I see its potential to help support trauma work. Of course, I am very familiar with nitric oxide in regards to the medical side of things. But as I am looking into it further, I think it has the potential to not only address the chronic effects of trauma on a cellular level, but be a tool that is synergistic with a trauma session, meaning you can time when you take this supplement with when you are going into a trauma session or have your clients take it before they come in for a trauma session and actually have it be synergistic with the work that you are doing. To add some more insight on nitric oxide, I want to share with you a clip of my discussion and conversation with Dr. Nicole Birkins. She's a clinical psychologist and nutritionist, and she has gotten into nitric oxide recently, and we had a wonderful discussion about this. Dr. Birkins, welcome. Of course. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about trauma here, and nitric oxide needs to be part of that conversation. It is um, present it, throughout the body. And, and really, the best way to think about this molecule is as a regulatory molecule. People go, oh, so how much do I need? Do I need this much? What's too high? What's too low? Here's the beautiful thing about nitric oxide or NO. It's regulatory, meaning the body has very finely tuned processes for keeping our nitric oxide levels where they need to be in order to support whatever's happening at the time. 
Now, there's all kinds of things that we do in our lifestyle and things that can disrupt that balance. But nitric oxide in and of itself is a regulatory molecule. And really what it's best known for and the best way to think about it, and, and um, you know, you alluded to it, is that it improves vasodilation. It supports vasodilation, which means all of those little blood vessels and opening up right? If you can think about nitric oxide as really what it's doing in the body is in opening up and allowing things to flow. Beyond all the science and all the technicalities and all the specific complicated words that we could use to describe it, nitric oxide is really about opening so that things can flow. On a very basic level, we think about that with blood flow where we need to have all of our blood vessels dilating, opening up so that blood can easily flow, so that life can flow. You know, it's interesting, no matter what tradition we might look at, whether it's allopathic, whether it's a Chinese medicine tradition, whatever it might be, all of these medical traditions have um, words and, and foundational concepts around this idea of flow. It's not just circulation, but the delivery of these nutrients and oxygen to our brain. And interestingly enough, nitric oxide is something that the VU will naturally increase as well. So a little science behind the VU of that's part of what you're doing when you do a VU is you are actually improving the circulation and the delivery of nutrients to your cells. And because you're also working with your breath as you do the VU, especially as you try to have that sound come from your belly, the the even your pelvis, like deep, deep, then that's going to be improving that movement of your diaphragm. It will improve your digestive system. It's going to improve your lung capacity and it vibrates the vagus nerve. Supporting our body after stress and trauma needs to be intentional on our part. The more intentional and strategic we can be, the more we can accelerate our trauma healing journey and still be doing it in a safe way. If we find ourselves stuck, stuck in our reactions, triggers, behavior patterns and relationships, there is always a component of our biology that is keeping our nervous system stuck in survival mode. No matter how much therapy and other work we are doing, our biology is stuck. And the reason behind our behaviors includes being deficient or having excess amounts of nutritional chemicals, biochemicals in our body. Nitric oxide is a chemical compound that plays a key role in cell metabolism. It is also crucial in coordinating tissue energy demand with supply. While our body naturally produces nitric oxide, 75% of our population, especially in adults, have a nitric oxide deficiency. So it's all about giving intentional and strategic support to our bodies because then they will be better able to be regulated for us. What is an example of this? Well, Dr. Naomi, she's a naturopath and nutritionist in my biology of trauma professional certificate training program. And she shares how she recognizes when her clients are stuck and there is something deeper that needs to be addressed. Hello, my name is Naomi Judge. I'm a naturopath and clinical nutritionist. I've been working with women for the past 16 years, working on their hormone levels, working with women with, with who struggle with cyclic moods, and particularly over the last few years, I've been focusing on women with PMDD and severe PMS, anxiety and depression within their cycle. I noticed there was kind of a point where they just couldn't get any further. 
they felt better, but then suddenly they would get into their luteal phase and suddenly those dark moods would come in, those ruminating thoughts, those insidious ideas, everything there just coming back, the depression and the anxiety would slowly creep back no matter how healthy they were being. And I realized there was more going on. There's other things they need to do. And so I started investigating. I started doing some research. And one of the things I did find out that's very common with women with PMDD is they normally have a traumatic background. There's a traumatic event. And that, that is a risk factor in having PMDD. Thank you, Naomi. And just for your information, those are the kinds of clients that I would be looking at a copper excess because copper levels change with estrogen and they're having mood swings related to their hormone cycles. I would start there. And with that, this concludes this episode on supplements and which ones you can take to help you on the trauma healing journey. Are you ready to try one of these supplements I mentioned? Maybe you've had chronic stress. Maybe you resonate with the brain inflammation symptoms. Maybe you've had a prior head injury. You want to address oxidative stress. There are so many tools from the biology of trauma lens. And when we support our body, our body can show up better for us. I do think that the trauma healing journey is about getting on the same team as our body. My body and I are on the same team. The more that I support my body, the better my body can show up for me. I really do want to hear your experiences with these supplements. So please share your experience on the show notes for this episode. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and let me run through the list of links that I will put in the show notes for you so that you can be resourced with anything that you are looking for. I will put my guide on the biochemical imbalances because that is where you will learn more about the copper excess, about the undermethylation and pyroluria. I will also be including the full brain inflammation protocol in case you recognize yourself and you want to do more than just the N-acetylcysteine and the magnesium trienate. I will put the full protocol. And then I will also include a link for that podcast episode with Dr. Tom O'Brien, where I have Tori's full story in case you were intrigued by what she shared here. I will have links to the magnesium calm, magnesium for sleep, the magnesium that you would take during the day. And I will also have the link for nitric oxide that you can take a look at that supplement. I will also have a link for our research page that mentions the studies that we have coming up on nitric oxide. And if you are a professional interested in also going through the certificate training program, I will have that link there as well. Thank you for listening and spending this time with me until next episode. Lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love.